0: And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with me today is Pastor Doug Wilson, pastor of Christ Church in Moscow, Idaho. Good to be with you. Thank you. Well, uh, it's been a while since we talked, and it's always a joy to have you on the air with us. Uh, Doug, our topic today leading up to it... I think a lot of listeners would agree with me that it's discouraging at times in our culture as we see either gangs and violence or or just plain laziness. You know, people on the public dole uh, not willing to work, perhaps. Um, Or maybe, um, at least here in New York State, we're taxed to death, uh, whether it be federal, state, county, town, our land taxes, uh, taxes on gas. Or if you own, some of the folks around here own their own business. Uh, they're, they're paying their Social Security tax, uh, sales tax, utilities, cell phone taxes. You add all that up. It's just a tremendous burden. Or we see uh, society wanting to determine right and wrong by, by the polls rather than by some kind of an objective standard. And um, that is a segue. Um, maybe you could talk a little bit about um, some of the root cause to the Uh, problems that we see today, and and hopefully some solutions.
1: Um, Yes. The the thing that I I want to emphasize um, with people who are distressed at all the what you might call political or cultural problems that we face is that our political problems are not political at the root. Our cultural problems are not cultural at the root. Um, What culture is Is religion externalized and and the biblical principle is this you become like what you worship there's there's no there's no way of altering uh, this fundamental law if you are worshiping idols you're going to become more and more like the idols you're worshiping if you worship the true and living God you're going to become more and more like the God you worship so Christians are who worship God through Jesus Christ are being transformed as Paul says from one degree of glory to another when we see Jesus John says when we finally see him completely we're going to become like him because we're going to see him as he is and as we're in the process of seeing him and worship and and growing closer to him we are becoming Christ like the bible teaches also on the flip side that idolaters become more and more like the idols that they worship. So an exa- this is a theme all through the Bible. Um, uh, one writer, G.K. Beale, uh, wrote a, a book titled, We Become Like What We Worship. And he shows how this is a major theme of Scripture all the way, all the way through. But one example would be Psalm 115, where it says that uh, the idols they make have eyes but see not. Uh, noses they smell not ears but they hear not throats but they speak not and then it says those that make them are like unto them so uh, you become basically you become like what you worship so what's your ultimate value what's your ultimate God what's your ultimate um, ground of all being well if you have um, just take a very simple example um, one of the great idolatries of our age is the idolatry of thinking that the universe is nothing but matter and motion it 's nothing time and chance acting on matter. Uh, we are here as the end product of a blind process of evolution. Everything changes into everything else right so um, if you have the big Bang at the beginning of history and no god and Hydrogen is this colorless, odorless gas that, given enough time, can turn into princess dye and sea lions, and <laughs> the Rocky uh, and the Rocky Mountains. You what you, what you see is the infinite malleability of matter. So what's the big deal with a sex change operation? What's what's the big deal with uh, shape shifting or or moving everything around? Well, mm-hmm. there is no big deal. That's why, and this is why people think they have the right to reinvent themselves, to just do a total makeover and, and, okay, all I have to do is rearrange the parts. All I have to do is change. All I have to do is morph. All I have to do is evolve. Well, that is a function of them becoming like the object of their worship. Christians who serve God in truth are uh, worshiping a God who is without variation or shadow due to change. He He is not constantly moving or evolving or developing or growing. Um, we are approaching Him, we're becoming like Him, and that's what we're supposed to do, but we are not doing so relativistically.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, it might be uh, almost shocking for someone out there today that perhaps they don't have a Christian background, or maybe they do, and aren't really too cognizant of it, um, to um, come face-to-face with this fact that uh, we do worship, and we worship other things other than God uh, many times uh, as a society, as a person. Uh, It might be um, almost caustic to them to think, What? He's telling me that I'm worshiping something else? How dare he say that? do, Do you ever get that kind of a response?
1: Yes, and uh, basically, um, what we want to do is people are become indignant at this kind of thing because they've been told that worship is private, and what I'm arguing is that worship is necessary necessarily public, whether or not it's conducted in private.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right? a good. Point. So um,
1: your th- uh, another way of putting it is your your theology comes out your fingertips,
0: <laughs> right?
1: Right, and and I would argue whatever it is that's coming out of your fingertips uh, reveals your true theology, mm. what, what's actually going on, what's your, what's your true heart commitment, what is your, what is your true God. Um, so if someone, let's say, goes to an Orthodox church, but they are what's coming out of their fingertips during the week is something ungodly, that tells you that they've got idols at home they've got idols in the closet that they're worshiping there yes. and that's the driver of their public uh, of of their public presentation mm. so that's true of individuals and it's also true of cultures generally and this is why i i tell christians that we have no political solution politics must be saved but politics is no savior right uh, right and so uh, when we look at every disaster, you know the rolling disaster that we call um, different sessions of Congress. <laughs> what is <a> rolling disaster <laughs> um, is when they are when they're agitated, they get on the evening news and they're calling for reforms, and we need to fix this, and we need to fix this, and we need to fix that. Almost invariably, what they are fixing is previous acts of Congress, which were yeah. ref, which were called reforms in their day. So uh, we have this uh, bizarre game going where we have a professional class of politicians who fix the previous generation's reforms. Good point. <laughs> okay, so um, what we need to do is get off... I, I think we, we just need to get off this merry-go-round. Every time we get on this ride, we throw up. Um, <laughs> this, is not, this is not what we need to be doing. So, poli- But politics can't fix this. You can't, I, I, you can't go to Congress and get them to actually see this principle. No. This is not going to change until America changes. Mm-hmm. So politics is the way it is because it rests on the back of culture. And culture is the way it is It is because it rests on the, on the back of America's true heart religion. Mm. Who do we worship and Why?
0: Well, what we'll do is we'll take a short break. Today on the phone line with me is Pastor Doug Wilson. He's pastor of Christ Church in Idaho. And uh, stay with us. We'll be right back on the other side of the break.
2: We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. Stay with us now for the second half of our program.
0: And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Pastor Doug Wilson. And we've been talking about culture... But in particular, we've been talking about worship and how that actually has a ripple effect into culture. Uh, Doug, you were mentioning the biblical principle that you really become like what you worship. And uh, that can be kind of a, a striking almost accusation that we are worshiping things. And uh, maybe we can just get started there again. You know, kind of wonder... Uh, people might be thinking, um, uh, maybe they're not Christians and they're just tuned in today. What is worship? Um, could you help us there?
1: Yes. Um, uh, that's a great uh, word recalling out for definition. In in modern parlance, worship uh, is frequently used as synonymous with praise. Um, so you go to some churches and they say, well, this is the worship time of our of our service, well, in in my understanding of scripture, the entire service is worship. Sure. And 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 what the biblical what the word in scripture means is a person making himself available to do what his God requires. Um, so when um, in the story in Genesis, when Abraham is told to sacrifice Isaac, his son. Um, It's quite a striking story, because Abraham has to travel with servants for three days to get to the mountain uh, where it was to be done. And the mountain was Mount Moriah uh, that he traveled to. And incidentally, that mountain was many centuries later where Jesus was crucified. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's quite striking that Abraham travels to take uh, Isaac to Mount Moriah, and and then he leaves his servants at the bottom of the, the bottom of the mountain, and he says, "We're going to go up to uh, we're going to go up the mountain," he says to the servants, "and worship God, and then return to you." And and he it's quite striking. He says, "We will return." Um. So he says, "I'm going to go up the mountain and do what God told me to do, and then because God had promised that Isaac would be the one through whom his sentence would be numbered, uh, he knew that Isaac was coming back down off the mountain, even though he was going to do what God said to do. Um, so, But when he says, we're going to go up and worship, he didn't mean we're going to go up the mountain and break out the guitar and the tambourine and the overhead projector <laughs> and and have a little praise time. Mm-hmm. right? Another good example of worship in the Bible would be when Isaiah, in Isaiah 6, sees the vision of the Lord high and lifted up in the temple. And, uh, and then God says, who will go? And uh, Isaiah says, after he's cleansed, he says, here am I, Lord, send me. Mm. That's worship. Yes. Right? So, so worship is when you're prostrating yourself before your God, making yourself available for his service, which is why you become like him. This is why you become like the objects of your worship, because what worship is is um, seeking that effect.
0: Mm. Yes, that's helpful, and um, it it hopefully makes some of the lights go on a little bit. It seems like inevitably we are going to worship someone or something. Right. We're we're right. kind of we're kind of made that way. We're kind of baked that way, if you will. <laughs> Yeah,
1: as Bob Bob Dylan put it in one of his more lucid moments, you got to serve somebody. Yes, it, it may it may be the devil, it may be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody.
0: It is and true. It
1: it it really is true. And this is what um, this is what is called an inescapable concept. It's not whether you worship; it's who you worship.
0: Yeah, good point. So today we're talking about this biblical principle that you become like what you worship. Let's say a Christian now listening today is um, thinking, "Well, I want to become you know more pleasing to my Lord." <laughs> Very simple. Um, help me here, Doug. What uh, what steps would you recommend as a pastor in the Christian church?
1: Yes. I w- I would say if you want to become more pleasing to the Lord, I would. Seek out in your area a, a church, a group of Christians who have the same goal. You know, whose whose object of worship is to please the Lord and become more like Him, which is very, very different than um, seeking a church that meets all of your particular needs. Mm-hmm. So, uh, think think of you. You know, there's a it's an atrocious phrase actually when you think about it. The, the phrase "church shopping." Um, because church shopping ought not to be like any other kind of shopping. you can uh, you can go to hunt out different gas stations looking for the prices you want, or you can seek out different kind of department stores that that carry your sizes or you know that that kind of thing is that's appropriate. but when a family moves to a new city and they attend three churches in a row oh it's fine it's fine to spy out the land it's fine to check things out. But when you're pulling out of the parking, parking lot, the question in everybody's mind ought not to be, did that make me happy, or did that, make, did, did that meet my needs, or did that serve me in a particular way? The question that they ought to be asking is, did that service honor God? Mm. Okay. okay. Uh, because God is the one we're worshiping. If, if many Christian churches are simply uh, temples with mirrors in them so that we may worship ourselves. And, and when we worship ourselves we become more and more like ourselves which is not pretty mm-hmm. so, so what we want to do is we want to find a group of Christians who are interested in what the truth would have been had they never been born who are interested in honoring God whether or not it flatters them because he is the one who is worthy of all worship mm-hmm. we want it to be God-centered we want it to be Christ-centered not me-centered mm-hmm. now of course one of the things that God has done through Christ is he saved us, he's cleansed us, he's equipping us. So we should want, we should want a church that does those things, but we want, them, want the church to do those things derivatively as it falls out of glorifying him.
0: Mm. And um, I'm getting the impression, too, that, that you're very aware of that finding a, a church that is, well, very Christ-centered may be a little harder than you think.
1: It's, very, it's it's a difficult um, it's a difficult and challenging environment. I would look for I look for a church where they preach and teach from the Bible unapologetically. I would look for a church where they are not embarrassed by God's law. You know, for example, on on the definition of marriage or on um, the blessing of children, or you know they're just not mm. embarrassed by um, God's standards at, at all. And there, where they are joyful.
0: Amen to that. Right.
1: A second thing I would suggest, uh, particularly for people who might be having trouble finding a good location in the first setting, is uh, reading. You know, uh, I've, I know a lot of people uh, reading books or uh, websites that that understand these principles can be a, a real
0: encouragement. Hmm. Now uh let me take that as a um, side path here for a moment. Uh Doug, if someone wants to learn more about you you've done a tremendous amount of work out there in Idaho in terms of homeschooling materials, uh worship, um you know, how the Bible relates to society, can you can you give our listeners some links or something like that uh or or a name of a book that you would you would recommend?
1: Yeah, sure thing. Um if, uh, if listeners want to go to my blog, which is dougwills.com, dougwills.com, and the name of the blog is Blog and Mayblog.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that requires a an explanation. There's Gog and Maygog in the Book of Ezekiel, and so, I've and may blog. <laughs> um, so uh, it, I blog and blog. So basically, I blog there regularly. And also at the top of the blog is um, uh, books. Um, and books by family members and that sort of thing and there are a number of uh, there are a number of links there um, so you can see what i've written diff- on different topics and you can basically start chasing the foot- start chasing the footnotes uh, mm-hmm. also canon press is a publishing house that publishes much of my stuff and they've got a lot of other good uh, a lot of other good material so canonpress.com canonpress.org, either one will get you there. And another good outfit, this is a a group in Georgia that I like to recommend, and that's the work of American Vision. So American Vision does good work, uh, and they've got a website also.
0: Mm. Well, that's all very helpful, and if our listener didn't catch that, uh, the first reference is dougwills.com, so it's d-o-u-g-w-i-l-s dot com, And uh, there you can read some really interesting thinking from from Doug uh, with his blog, Blog and May Blog, (laughs) and uh, that's going to be fun. And also your Canon Press, and then finally American Vision. Those are three excellent references. Today we're talking with uh, Pastor Doug Wilson, and our discussion is concerning that you become like what you worship, now, if we grow in Christ and we, we do become like him, um, what, what will we see, Doug? What will we see um, externally? What,
1: uh, well, one of the things you're going to see is, is more, increased trouble. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> right? Um, G- and Jesus is consistent in warning people about this. Um, basically, one of the ways... Um, that the world polices its ranks is that it, it whacks people who start to get out of line. Mm. They, what they, uh, it, it's really quite striking because John, uh, at the end of First John, John tells Christians, little children, he says, keep yourself from idols. And that means that there's a kind of idolatry that Christians are susceptible to. Yes. Right? And uh, there, there are also, uh, obviously, idols that were not susceptible. Most your average Christian isn't going to go worship at the temple of molech um, you know some overtly manifestly grotesque right. idol but the uh, apostle Paul defines covetousness for example as idolatry uh, there are all sorts of mental constructs and ideas that are essentially idolatrous and the and the central idol that Christians have to grapple with is worldliness hmm. um, and and it's, this is also quite striking, because uh, in, earlier in First John, John says, love not the world, or the things in the world. He says, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Uh, he said, these things belong to the world. Don't be worldly. Don't love the world. The thing, one of the things that's striking about it is, in the temptation of our first parents, in the Garden of Eden, Eve saw that the fruit of, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil she she saw that it was delightful to look at lust of the eyes it was good for food lust of the flesh and was capable of making them wise
0: pride mm. of life there it is
1: so so the our parent our first parents fell to the attractions of worldliness and that's funny because there wasn't really a world out there yet but the heart the heart of worldliness was there that was the right. first temptation and that's the temptation uh, we face it 's the temptation to be cool it 's the temptation to be authentic, according to the world 's definition of authentic mm-hmm. and and it it is a very deceptive thing because we have to remember the serpent it says was subtler than all the beasts of the field
0: mm. well, you know i 'm looking at the clock here, and I realize that wow, this time has gone really quickly uh, today we 're talking with Pastor Doug Wilson. And, Doug, we have maybe one more minute um, okay. to uh, wrap up these thoughts, and um, why don't you take it from there?
1: All right. Um, to summarize the whole thing is, you know, what's the, how, how are we to conduct ourselves? What are we to do? I would say, love God, hate sin.
2: You know? yes. love,
1: God, hate, love God, hate sin. Um, it says in Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. So if you become like what you worship, you have to love the right God and hate the wrong gods. Um, if you say no, no, I don't want to hate anything or anybody. Well, that's that means you're not worshiping the right God. Mm-hmm. The, to fear the Lord is to hate the evil every evil way, and and to love Him. So uh, I would encourage your listeners to sell out to God, lay their lives down before Him, prostrate themselves before Him worship Him regularly, diligently, read your Bibles, pray to Him, find a church where other people are doing the same thing, love God, and then hate every temptation, every way that sets itself before you to go in a different direction.
2: Mm,
0: Beautiful. Thank you very much, Pastor Doug Wilson, for joining us today here on A Plain Answer. And uh, again, your uh, blog site there is dougwills.com. Again, that's d-o-u-g-w-i-l-s dot com. And also, many books have been written by you and your family. Uh, Those can be found at canonpress.com. So, Doug, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Oh, you're most welcome,
0: and God bless. Yeah, the Lord be with you, my dear brother. For Redeemer Broadcasting, I'm Dan Elmendorf. Quick reminder, please join us again next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer.